Welcome to Food Farms and Chefs radio show, where we highlight everyone from the top industry leaders to startups and farmers that make it all possible with Chef Jean Blum and photojournalist Amaris Pollock. Hi, and welcome back to Food Farms and Chefs. And we are so excited to introduce to you one of the uh, culinary delights that I've come across. I met her actually at an event um, and, you know, we've crossed paths a couple other times. So I'm very excited to actually have you on. But Veronica Fitzgerald, who owns VN Pinata, um, welcome to Food Farms and Chefs. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I am happy to see you again. It's been a while. Happy it's, New Year. I know. Happy New Year to you, too. It's a little belated after that one, too, as well. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm sure we're going to cross paths again. I'm definitely going to visit your, your shop. In, um, um, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Of course. Uh, but for our listeners who don't know what I'm alluding to, um, How did you get started? Because you were obviously you have a strong accent. You're not originally from this country. So um, let our listeners know a little bit about your history, where you come from and, you know, how you got started into owning VM Pinatas. Sure. Um, Well, I came to the States when I was 15. My mom um, had been flying back and forth to Miami and New York because she had lived here before. And uh, in the 90s, she decided that we needed to move here because they had opened an opportunity for for her to get a work uh, working visa. So we came here. I went to high school and college, then got engaged, moved to North Carolina. And while I was living in North Carolina, I was meeting um, people, creating community and figured I needed to do something to show those that I was meeting as new friends, something more authentic of myself. Um, I really was never the the person or child that loved to be in the kitchen, but I taught myself how to make empanadas because I always saw my grandmother making them when I was young. And that led to people loving them, wanting them more. Um, then I moved here to PA and hosted um an event for people to come to my home after living here for about a year. Everybody in this area um, has had been so kind, so generous to welcoming all of us and um, introduced them to my empanadas and they started asking for more and slowly but surely the opportunity came about to have a space at the farmer's market in Wayne. Yeah. And um Okay, so time time wise, like, so when did you actually open up the or begin the VN Empanadas as um, a brand? Like, what year um, about? That started in two thousand and nine when my second child was born. Oh wow! Yep, and that was back in North Carolina. I had a friend. I have a friend who's a graphic designer, and he lived there at the time. He now lives in Brooklyn. Uh, New York. So we were playing around with uh, graphics and names. My husband helped uh, create the logo and we created a a little flyer for me to just pass around um, the town. And then, um, yeah, it always it had always been V Empanadas because everybody knows me by V. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And not Veronica, but I I met you as Veronica, like full name. Um, And, you know, I, I was excited to try your empanadas when I had met you. Um, 
where was that? Amara at Amara. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and of a fellow Ecuadorian chef. Yeah. Which is exciting. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I, when I met you and, you know, we exchanged information or whatnot, I had no idea like how soon thereafter I was going to come across you. But, you know, I was excited because, you know, here I am shopping around in, in the Lancaster County farmer's market and you're there. <laughs> I actually thought you guys came to see me, but you were we just did. walking around and stumbled upon. Well, the I think I think the 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 track was you weren't there the first time that I went, and so I stumbled across. But then the second time I went was intentionally to like see you. Oh, got it, got it. Yeah, <laughs> lucky me. <laughs> yeah, and lucky me. <laughs> um, now I not every empanada is made the same because I have you know other Latin Latin friends who are. Um, who are from different, you know, Latin countries, and everybody has their own take on it, um, their own family history on making it. So uh, obviously you you grew up, as you had said, um, watching your grandmother make them. Uh, now, is that where the recipe that you utilize, or have you tweaked it since then? Um, do you know when I grew up, my grandmother used to make mostly cheese empanadas, and uh, if we would go out for, for dinner or be out in town, there's always a place where you can find empanadas, at least in Ecuador, for sure. And every time I travel to uh, Latin countries, I'm always looking for a place to get empanadas. But no, it was mostly cheese, um, what she used to make. And she used to just whip them out for, you know, for coffee or tea or breakfast. Um, there wasn't really a secret that, you know, she had. It was just the what it made me feel like because she would make them and she would make this coffee. We were young um, and we always drank coffee. She used to put a lot of sugar in it. <laughs> so it was this dark coffee, really uh, sweet and a cheese empanada with uh, granulated sugar on it. Okay. And that's a childhood memory for me. I mean, so that's probably bringing up a lot of like positive uh, feelings and, and whatnot. And and eating, eating is associated with feelings because you, you share your love, um, through, through cooking, through what you create. So I'm sure, yeah. So it, it matters in like different cultures, you know, the, the food that's presented, like America, like the way that we, we sit and eat a lot of times now it's just grab and go. We're all, we're constantly on the go. Yeah. Always rushing. But I feel like in foreign countries, they take time to sit down, to eat as a family, to enjoy, you know, one another's company. Um, That's still. Absolutely. And I mean, things in like in Ecuador, I was just there last year. Um, Things are changing and everybody has their, their schedules, but for the most part, uh, those times to gather, to be in family or with friends or in community, they are, they are special. And, most families get together for lunch. So lunch is the big meal. And then in the afternoon, we don't have, or at least my family and most of those around me don't have a heavy dinner. They have an empanada with a cup of coffee or tea and um, another little, little bites. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I have to say, I, I love, I love your empanadas. I think they speak for themselves. I, I feel like, Yes, you add flavor, like seasons and stuff to it, but I don't feel like you do heavy seasoning. I feel like you you let the meat and, and whatnot 
um, speak for itself. And yeah, and that's what we try. I mean, right now at the farmer's market, we have 11 different offerings. That alone is an undertaking because making them every week and they are made by hand. I actually have um, a little tool that helps us at least seal them faster because before we used to just use the fork Mm. and seal them one by one. If anything, in Ecuador, um, there's this, there's a word for it, which if I say it, you're not going to understand, but it's called respulgado. Okay. So it's taking the dough, putting whatever you're putting inside and really folding it with your thumb and squeezing it. And it looks really pretty. Um, I'm sure there's a term for that in English. Um, But yeah, it's cooking the meat, making sure that we have all the offerings when it comes to meat ready, and then picking the right seasonings and combinations for it. Um, So the meat always will stand on its own as flavor. Yeah. And it, and it is delicious. It's very, very delicious. Um, and the one thing that I also want to add is you have dessert empanadas too, which I've seen other places make dessert empanadas, but it's always like cinnamon and apples inside of an empanada. Like you do other things in addition to like, I, I don't I don't even know if you have cinnamon and apples on. No, I actually get a lot of people that want me to do. Oh, you should do a s'mores empanada and you should do a peanut butter and jelly. And while all those sound like really great and delicious ideas, I do try as much as I can to stay authentic, to stay within Latin flavors. So the two that I offer are dulce de leche and guava and cream cheese. And those are in a different dough because it's a, a puff pastry. Yeah. They're good. They're they're my weakness. You know, what's surprising. I actually haven't had your, had either of those. And I'm surprised, oh. like, especially because when I saw the cream cheese and guava one, I was like, oh, how have I not tried that yet? And I'm sure you probably like put like a nice like coating of like butter with maybe sugar, granulated sugar on top. I, I actually, uh, I put a uh, powdered sugar on okay. them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, I, and I, I've been thinking for Valentine's Day, not that it's Latin or traditional, but it's Valentine's Day. And yeah. I, I am considering maybe um, Nutella or putting like a Hershey, like a Hershey piece of chocolate and just closing the empanada. And I'm sure when it fries, It'll I got to play down. around and test it and see. Yeah. Um, and I don't mind doing that <laughs> at all. <laughs> I mean, I twist. It's like a twist my arm so that oh, I have to try this. I, know, <laughs> I have to test it. I have to get in the kitchen and test this. Yeah. <laughs> oh darn. <laughs> oh well, I mean, you have the dulce de leche. I wonder if you can um, do like a caramel with that. Well, dulce de leche is caramel for us. Oh right. So yeah, a lot sorry. of people can make their own caramel, <laughs> and I don't. I actually get one that. That is from Argentina. And I use that one because dulce de leche is very, very big in Argentina. Yeah. I, I don't know why I blanked out, out on that. But yes, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> I, and I think the thing is, is I knew that before I said it. And then I was like, wait a minute, I'm wrong. <laughs> and then you're like, it you is really, caramel. I think that's because you really want one. I so do. <laughs> you have to put it on your list. I do. I have to put it. I do have to add it to my list. And I, I need to add... Um, some more of your guac. Uh, and I know that you, when, when you first, when I first tried it, it was, I think the first time that you were like offering it up or whatever. And 
some one of your family members said that they didn't like it. I loved it. Oh, yeah. My son. My son is my Gordon Ramsay um, <laughs> here. He's the one that gives me all the feedback um, as he sees it. And I appreciate it because he's a foodie and he he loves the kitchen. He's the one that's always coming up with ideas. I can't take credit from for any of it because <laughs> I really am not like that. Yeah, uh, but somewhere there, he's he's picked up on it on his own, and yeah, and how he, he now likes it a little bit more because I think it's grown on him. Gotcha. Because um, I'm like, I, honestly, I love I love the way that you balanced everything. Like the and it, it was so fresh. I'm not quite sure why he didn't like it. <laughs> and and I and I and I'm tweaking it too because I played around with it for about um, a month, maybe a little bit over a month. And now I realize that as much as I want to tell my customers that, you know, that oxidation that happens at the top of, you know, the guacamole, you just have to mix around. I am going to make it my purpose to make sure that it is even more fresh than that, because the idea of seeing that even for me, it's like my presentation. Um, I want it to be um, to be better, but I love it. It's it's a good guacamole. It is a very good guacamole. And I agree. I love it too. It was like, and because, okay, so my mother, my mother, when I was growing up, my mother used to make um, a cilantro like salad in essence. So I, and I feel like she overkilled it too much. So I'm super sensitive to cilantro, but like mm. while I'm eating your guacamole, I was like, I obviously like you, you're inclu- including that. And yes. But it was balanced well enough where it wasn't like overpowering and it didn't like over like none of the ingredients overpowered any of the others. And of course, the avocado, you know, being the key ingredient was like just (laughs) I wanted more and more of it. Um, that's, that's good to hear. Yeah. But I don't want to just, um, hyper focus on that. I want to also, you know, mention the fact that you have other dips, other sauces and, and whatnot to, to, to try out as well. Yeah, we have, uh, let's see, we have uh, four different sauces that we offer, uh, salsa verde, a spicy, um, a spicy sauce that was the first one I started with that I took different recipes and tried in different restaurants and came with my own, came up with my own. That's a big seller. And my hopes in the future, as I manifest things to happen, would be to bottle it and maybe mass produce it someday. Mm-hmm. And then there's a cilantro and lime, which I know you love. I really do. <laughs> and a sour cream sofrito, which um, I also is love. Also, yeah. 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 But I'm, I'm, I'm actually thinking for the Super Bowl um, coming up. I've been wanting to do it, but I haven't, you know, pushed the accelerator on that uh, for many different reasons. But um, a regular salsa, you know, like a red salsa for chips or even to dip an empanada in yeah um I have to again play with it because it's a Mexican recipe you know I I don't I gotta start from scratch and and see what I can come up with because once I put it out in the market it's a commitment yeah you know you want your customers to be able to come back and know that it's there and not be disappointed when they show up and say well where is it and yeah, not have it. It's the consistency, and when people like something, they really like it. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Um, now, in the last couple of minutes that we have with you, um, 
I want to make sure that you, we mention because I I believe you also offer catering too. Yeah, that's a part of my business that I am trying to grow. Um, we cater to uh, private homes. We go to offices. We've done a bunch of it, and uh, we've even driven to Philly to cater our empanadas, which it's you know it's a challenge, but we do it especially since you want to keep them warm and crispy and um, all that. But yeah, catering is a big part of what I would want to see ourselves doing more. Yeah. Well, here's hoping that you you expand upon that and are able to also offer catering. But in the meantime, for our listeners who want to kind of dig into a handheld, because it's very easy. Like it's, it's, you know, it's still big. Like it will fill you up, but your empanadas and your guac and your um, different sauces and salsa. So Frito, how, uh, where can they find you? Oh, at the um, at the Lancaster Farmers Market in Wayne. Um, that's it. <laughs> I can. I no, don't know no, the address. No, no, it's fine. Our, um, and then the one. I one, should actually. Yeah. No, sorry. Um, and then one last question, which is, can people pre-order empanadas? They can. We have um, social media presence that um, it's always being looked at. So either Facebook, um, Instagram, and through my website. It's uh, www.v-empanadas.com. We have a regular menu and a catering menu there for uh, for our customers to take a look at and those who aren't to get familiar with. All right. Well, Veronica, yeah. thank you so much for joining us on Food Farms and Chefs. I look forward to the next time that I get to to come across you and and try those guava guava empanadas. <laughs> I am so happy you uh, you chose me and gave me this opportunity. And uh, yeah, I look forward to seeing you and definitely come hungry because you know that I like to feed people. <laughs> it's really what drove me to this opportunity of having a, a business. I like to take care of people and I'm here for whoever wants to feel cared. Oh, thank you so much. All right. Thank you for having me. No problem. And we will be right back after the short break. To become a sponsor of Food Farms and Chefs and have your business or event promoted on two radio stations in Philadelphia that play on Tuesdays during Drive Time Radio and on a station in New York on Fridays at 1 p.m., you can email us at foodfarmsandchefs at yahoo.com, ibfoodie2 at yahoo.com, or arpolicus at gmail.com. Welcome back to Food Farms and Chefs. We're having a lot of fun over here, uh, but I am speaking with Sal. Ali Gadea, who is the owner and chef of Panic Gel- Gelataria, um, which is a bakery in Yardley, PA. Yes. All right. So, Sally, since we're having so much fun just laughing away, let's keep it, keep it going. <laughs> so, um, how how for our listeners, how did you get started? Um, where did you study? And I mean, because I know both you and your husband are pastry chefs, like that you have, you know, worked in a prestigious under a prestigious restaurant group in Washington, DC. Um yeah. yeah. And and your husband also has a lot of other accolades to tack on to that. But um let's focus on you since you're on and let our <laughs> listeners know like how you got started and some of your bragging uh rights as a pastry chef. <laughs> I don't know if I have as many bragging rights as Jamil, but um, let's see. I went to Drexel University and my degree was in culinary arts. And then I got a minor in business administration. 
Um, and then I just, that was, so my degree being in culinary arts, I knew I wanted to do pastry the whole time. That wasn't a question. I just focused all of my work in pastry and I wanted the background of the culinary arts. I thought that was a good foundation. And then, um, I was in Vail for a little while. Um, I worked under, or at an Austrian resort called Sonnenalp and, uh, or maybe they were German. And, um, anyway, I worked for an Austrian pastry chef and then, uh, Um, I came back. I spent a little time not cooking on Martha's Vineyard. That's just a wash. And then I went to D.C. and I was working for the Clyde's Restaurant Group for the Hamilton. And um, that was an amazing experience. They pre-COVID, at least they were doing like 25 million in revenue. And so it was just like it's hard to even fathom looking back now what a huge place that was. And I remember the first week I was there, I said to Jamil, I don't know what I got myself into. Like, I mean, it's hard to find anything to prepare you for that. But then the thing was, by the time I left seven years later, I felt like there wasn't a challenge anymore. So that's when I knew it was time to go. But, you know, I I worked my way through that and then moved back to Bucks County, where I'm from. I'm from Washington Crossing. And um, I bided my time over at Brick Farm while Pana was being built. And um, now my husband and I are here. We've opened Pana Gelateria and Bakery. And um, that's been about a year and a half now. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Now, um, I know that when you guys were starting to build that business, you came into a little bit of a hiccup as far as the planning was concerned. So you did actually reach out to SCORE in Bucks County. Um, Mm, Yeah. So I I love the fact that there's, you know, that uh, that available for people who are looking to open up businesses and looking for guidance because it isn't easy like starting a business for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Well, the thing is, I say this all the time across the board about many things, but what I know is pastries and cooking. Um, I don't know about spreadsheets much. I don't know about a lot of those um, business end of things, despite my minor in business this administration. Um, I, we just found ourselves having to make a business plan, which it turns out is so much work for a hypothetical. Um, and so, yeah, then my mom suggested that we reach out to score. I think she saw an article in the newspaper and we were, could not have done it without them. They were so helpful. Um, I mean, I tell, I have friends that are, you know, I have a friend who's building um, a pop-up dinner business. I tell people all the time, anytime you're even thinking about starting a business, or we could still use them in discussing expansion or any issues we would have now, but they're just such an amazing resource and they were so helpful to us. Um, So that was a big piece of the puzzle for us. And that's good. I'm glad to hear that. Um, And, you know, and for other business owners and restaurant tours too, because it's it, as you said, it's not easy, and there's a lot of um, background stuff that you have to do and loopholes and paperwork that has to be filled out that you just you don't know walking into it like you'll have an idea like you know you you go to school you become a chef you're like yeah I want to open my own place and it's exciting and then you get faced with all of this other stuff that you then you're there and you're like how wait uh oh (laughs) I, I don't actually know how and there feels like I remember the feeling that there's this feeling of a barrier that you're like I just don't know like I have this idea I have these skills how do I make that happen? And then and then you just kind of go, eh, I guess I'll just keep doing what I'm doing and, and not do that. But we kind of, our landlord, where we had found our location um, and like everyone was supporting us, everybody kind of like 
kept the ball rolling with us, like kind of kept pushing us down that hill, making that snowball um, and, you know, score along the way. Like, I, I think especially owning a business and, and from that point of starting to build, build the business, I realized, you know, you got to go to the experts about what they're an expert at. So, you know, we have an accountant and a bookkeeper, and then we use score for planning the business end of things. And if you need a cake, you can come to me. Or if you need gelato, you can come here. That's what we do best. But what we don't do best is like make spreadsheets. Yeah. So, and I, I apologize for focusing so strongly on score and, and whatnot in the business aspect. No, but I, I think mean, it's great too. I, I think that's great. I think that people should know about it. It's an unbelievable free resource. And it's not like it was a big process. All I did was send them like, you know, there's a very brief application. Probably 48 hours later, I was set up with a mentor. And to be honest, I it, the first mentor we had was very supportive, but he didn't have, uh, he wasn't helping us do the business plan. You know, he's just very supportive of helping us build the idea. And so when I asked for someone and we got matched with someone that better fit our our needs, like real needs. And and I told him, you're going to have to hold my hand through this. Yeah. Um, there were tears for sure. <laughs> you know, oh. it was a big thing, but, but I'm just, I think it's good to know too, that if you do get in any sort of relationship or mentorship that you, you can find a new person if one person doesn't fit. Yeah, this is true. This is very true. Um, now I'm going to circle back around to your business itself because Obviously, that's why I'm bringing you on. I wanted to highlight. Your, <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to highlight Panna because you know it's it's. I love sweets. I, I 100% love anything sweet. And gelato. I was first introduced to, to gelato. The idea of gelato, um, because m my mother had been remarried and went to Italy, and she talked about it. My friends who went to Italy, you know, talked about it. And I've been to like Spain and France, and I was supposed to go to Africa, but, so I've been introduced to like different things, but not gelato. And so I went to um, Las Vegas to the Bellagio, I think is what it was. And it's the, the gelato capital. <laughs> yeah. And, well, uh, they had gelato there. So that was the first time that I actually tried gelato was in America. So I can't say that I've had a real gelato per se, like because I haven't had it in Italy. But I believe that you guys actually, because even your your background right now that, that I can see for our listeners, there is a YouTube channel as well that you can see. Um, the back the the background of her her gelato place looks European. Oh, thank you. Um, so then I guess you just want me to expand on about the yeah, because gelato I, life and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. That was very indirect. No, but yeah, okay. <laughs> I can I can take you can say anything. I can take it away. Um, yeah. So actually, it's really funny that you mentioned the Bellagio because I have no idea what year that was. But Jamil. Um, one of his big starts was he spent, I think it was, um, not him, so I must could be misquoting, it was pre-me, um, but I think he was 14 years at the Bellagio in Vegas. Oh, wow. Um, and and my understanding would be that he started, you know, his process of learning about making gelato there. So see how it all ties together. What a tapestry. Um, <laughs> I so, love it. yeah, he just honed his skills. And Jamila is, like, really into the science um, and yeah, the specificity of the science of, I mean, all things baking, you know, bread and the gelato. And so he's um, just kind of perfected his recipe over the years. When he was in D.C., he was at high-end Italian restaurants, um, Bibiana, and then he was at um, Moscow. Surya, which is a Michelin star restaurant in DC, and he became the corporate pastry chef there. All that to say that he's worked in a lot of um, you know high-end Italian places that he perfected this recipe. Um, and 
we're not Italian. Here's the thing is we get people in every once in a while that will be like, is this real Italian gelato? <laughs> and for all intents and purposes, you know, we have lots of Italian friends, true Italian. I mean, not true, but that they're from Italy, Italy of this gen- of their generation. And you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so, and they come in, they're like, this is Italian gelato. I'm not Italian. Jamil's not Italian. We didn't go to school in Italy. We didn't live in Italy. We've been there. We just got back on Monday from there. We love it. Um, but you know, we make great gelato, Jamil does. And, um, we just, I think that it's just a feeling of connection to a lot of their values, um, as far as hospitality that like in the shop, I'm looking around it with my eyes right now. It, to me, it feels, um, like very comfortable and, um, and, and embracing like beautiful details, um, but in a, like a comfortable homey kind of way. And, I think that speaks to the Italian culture because when you go there, it's not perfect and every everything isn't perfect, but it feels really good and it feels like somebody cared about the details and the the aesthetic and everything, that all the details were important, not just that you go into a beautiful restaurant, but that you're made to feel at home by your server or which, you know, we just, like I said, came back from Italy And so many restaurants are just family owned, you know, and just feeling the family come over and taking care of you and serving their things. That's what we're doing. And we're not saying that we're not saying that we are Italy or do you get what I mean? That we're not saying we're anything more than what we are. But we love what we do. We put the care into it. And um, and here we are. Yeah. You took the words right out of my mouth, I was going to say, but it's it's the care and the love that goes into it. And you guys yeah. create, I mean, one of the things that I do love about um, gelato versus ice cream, because ice cream is large, huge batches, whereas I feel, and, and, you know, yes, they're creamy, but like, I feel like gelato is just a little, a notch above with the creaminess. And also the flavor profile is very strong. Like gelato has a, an extremely mm-hmm. strong profile comparatively to ice cream, which is more subtle. And, you know, I I just I feel like gelato takes TLC. Um, Mm -hmm. And I don't want to focus just on gelato because you you do make cups or um, cupcakes. You're okay. (laughs) Cakes. I meant to say cakes and cupcakes and um, other baked (laughs) goods uh, in addition to the gelato. Um, And I believe you also offer offer coffee as well. Um, which avocados with gelato would probably be perfect. Um, we do them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that we're having a lot of fun. Um, so, <laughs> so, but I mean, it's a key component, like to to be able to combine the different things. And you can even have like you can probably have a pastry, and if you want, and plop a scoop of gelato on top of it. I mean, for sure. Yeah. But um, so, what are some of the other things that you offer? Since I kind of Spoiled it, but <laughs> yeah, you ruiner. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So yeah, honestly, okay. The staples are we have two chocolate chip cookies. We when Jamil and I were coming up before even Pana was a concept, we were like, let's just start making lists of like the best stuff that we do. And I was like, well, obviously my chocolate chip cookies. And Jamil was like, well, my chocolate chip cookies are good too. And so then we were like, wait a second, let's not decide. Let's do a Mr. and a Mrs., which is exactly what we do. Mine is a classic chocolate chip cookie. Jamil's has a little bourbon, a little coffee extract in it. We do sea salt on top and pecans in there. 
Um, so we have like a selection of cookies. Those two are always there. And then we add in other things. We have ricotta cookies. Mm. Um, I'm doing a ginger snap right now. So that um, one of our most popular items is my mom's recipe for almond pound cake. Don't ask me. It's the most simple thing. It has five ingredients in it. But People come in all the time. There's people who regularly come through as they're going over to someone's house for a dinner. They pick them up for their friends. It's just kind of blows my mind how popular it is, other than the fact that it's not super sweet. And I grew up on it because my mom would always make it if we had neighbors move in. Um, she still makes them for her neighbors if somebody new moves in. Um, and it's not too sweet. So and it doesn't have like an icing or a glaze on it. So it's just good for like breakfast, lunch, dinner, tea, snack, walking through the kitchen. Um, and it's just so popular here. And then we do a bunch of stuff that we just kind of do what we want. So we often have a tart, which is always really popular. This week I did um, frangipan and apricot. I know it's not really apricot season, but I was in the store and I saw some and they look good. So I got them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we just kind of fly by the seat of our pants. I whimsically make up layer cakes as I like. Um, I was just making an Earl Grey chocolate ganache that I'm going to do for a chocolate cake this week. Um, we do galettes, which are like little free-form hand pies. And we always have a savory one and a fruit-filled one. Right now we have... Um, plum and it's made with plum preserves that we've made in the summertime when we had an abundance of them so we preserve them with aromatics and um, then when we were about to leave for vacation and we didn't want to stock up on produce and have it go bad we were like oh wait we've got those preserves which is exactly Perfect. what they're yeah. for and um and then we do a vegetable one and I think my next one I just used up my mushroom and chestnut and I think my next one will be maybe mushroom I haven't fully decided I think mushroom rosemary and goat cheese um so we just do like what's seasonal you know whatever we have and um let that point us in the direction of creativity I think that in the beginning people would come in and they they still kind of do sometimes and they'll be like do you have a menu what like Where's this thing I looked for before? But now I think our customers have caught on to the idea that we just do whatever we want and don't boss me around about it. And, um, <laughs> but I think that they like that. I want people to be curious and to not just expect everything to be the way it was before. We would get bored doing that. And it makes us feel excited and like joyful about it to to wonder what's next. I just did my very first live last week or, or maybe it was two weeks ago, before we left for vacation. Mm -hmm. um, and we were talking about, you know, the galettes have been so popular. They sell out early in the day and we make extra all the time and then they keep selling out. They're so popular. But I kind of brought up the point that if you just keep doing the same thing, do you become complacent? Maybe there's something better out there or just more interesting to do. So we never want to have that feeling of dulling our excitement for stuff by becoming complacent. Yeah. I mean, it's exciting being able to like, um, like do whatever you want and, you know, utilize seasonal fruits, vegetables, etc., to to come up with creations where you have your base, but like you can be creative with it. Um, that is exciting. And also it, it lets people, it introduced, I shouldn't say it lets people, it introduced people who may not have thought, hey, let's get a galette that's, you know, that's made with rosemary, feta and mushrooms, um, which I, you said that and it triggered me and I was like, oh, I really want that. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Um, <laughs> let's try that. And, you know, so it, and it expands our, our minds and expands our palates, expands our concepts of what we can do at home, too. Not that I necessarily want to say for people to go home and make 
food, but, you know, like go go to your store and, and purchase it. But like, hey, maybe it'll inspire an idea. Um, yeah. So, but we really are running out of time right now. Um, so for our There's list, so much more to say. I know. <laughs> we'll have to bring you back on. Um, <laughs> but for our listeners out there, um, especially because I know that Valentine's Day is coming up, uh, Super Bowl, and just, hey, brunch and weekends and get-togethers with friends, where can they find you online and in person? Um, so online, I'm on Instagram, and uh, we post to Facebook as well. Um, but the Instagram is at... P-A-N-N-A-Y-A-R-D-L-E-Y at Pana Yardley. Um, and then what was the other question for? Oh, um, do they... <laughs> your face. <laughs> do they need you to... Didn't even get I know, I was like, oh, wait. <laughs> um, do you offer catering and, and whatnot because of all the... Yeah, we take orders. Um, I usually just do it through kind of a custom basis where people give me a call and they say, hey, my wife really likes chocolate and peanut butter. Can you make a cake with that? And then I just make it. Like I said, I don't have a menu, but I just take phone calls or talk to people when they come in the store. And I pretty much make whatever people want. I think yesterday I did a vegan birthday cake and I get gluten-free orders all the time. We make a lot of gluten-free stuff. We usually have at least three items. Um, and yeah, we we do whatever. We have our gelato cart, which people should check out on our website or on our Instagram. So we can take our gelato to private events and we take it to community events as well. Okay, perfect. All right. Thank you so much for joining me on Food Farms and Chefs. And I will definitely have to have you back because we had a lot. We had way too much fun. <laughs> we have so much to talk about. <laughs> we do. All right. Thank you so much for having me. This was really great. No problem. I, I loved having you. So, um, but to our listeners out there, check out Panna in Yardley. And I will be right back after this short break. Thank you. Join us on Food Farms and Chefs radio show, where we highlight everyone from top industry leaders to startups and the farmers who make it all possible with co-host Gene Blum and Amaris Pollock with original episodes that debut every Tuesday at 6 p.m. on WWDB 97.5 HD2 and at WWDBAM.com and on your smart speaker. Hi, and welcome back to Food Farms and Chefs. And I'm very, very excited. Not as excited as some of your patrons who wag, um, but very excited to introduce Allison and Sam Mattiola, who own the Boozy Mud. And I think it's in Brewery Town, if I'm correct. Yep, that's right. All right. So let our listeners know, because I feel like um, it's, I feel like there has been a little bit more of a trend, like since the pandemic, where places are like a little bit more dog friendly, but you guys really just dove nose deep into uh, into owning something that is pet friendly. So how did you get started in in this ownership of the Boozy Mutt? And, you know, do you have both? Do either of you have any history on owning a restaurant or a bar um, or have any kind of outside of, you know, having your your Buddha with you um, <laughs> that you that you purchased over the pandemic? Um, how, how did you come about bringing all of that, all of those little different nuances together? Yeah. I mean, Go ahead. Go ahead yeah. Okay. So and I'll, I'll let you take the next one. But, um, you know, all, all great questions. Um, I, you know, I think you hit the nail on the head, right? Like the pandemic was a catalyst for a lot of different businesses um, and, and a lot of different folks, especially in hospitality, where they were hit so hard, um, having to adapt and do something new. Um, for Allison and I, we do not have a background in hospitality. Um, we're both, uh, you know, 
corporate, uh, had done sales for a very long time. Um, and uh, we saw the pandemic as our opportunity to get a dog because we've been dog lovers our whole lives. But just before uh, we traveled a ton for work and it was just never a, a tenable option for us. Um, so we thought, hey, you know, we'll get a dog and uh, we'll train the dog. And within a couple of weeks, the dog will be trained up and then the life of the world will be back to normal and like everything will be good. Right. <laughs> uh, you know, of course, neither of the things were true. Uh, the dog wasn't trained and we weren't traveling again. So, you know, we had we had a lot of time on our hands and we started doing what I think a lot of folks were doing at the time, which was we would go to the dog park, we would bring a six pack and a lawn chair and we would sit down and we made all these friends, you know, doing the social distancing thing. Um, and we had a great time doing it. I think at the same time, though, we thought there's an opportunity to make this experience better, not only for dogs, but also people. Um, you know, I think we would find ourselves often it's the middle of the winter. You're out there letting letting the dog get the exercise and you're sitting there freezing cold or, you know, it's <laughs> raining or, you know, there's, a, you know, maybe a, an aggressive dog at the park or you know, it's not fancy, like whatever it might be. Right. Like we just felt like there was an opportunity to improve that experience for everybody, dogs and people alike. Um, and so in December of 2020, we kind of slowly started writing a business plan. We realized that there were concepts, uh, you know, I'll call it like similar to ours, uh, that are more in the Southern States. Mm -hmm. At the same time, we also don't think that like, like a weather is a big factor here, right. Compared to uh, Florida. So like, we can't just be outdoors, um, and B food really matters. A lot of the other concepts like us are just kind of like bar, um, and dogs, whereas we are bar restaurant that is super friendly to dogs. So we wanted to make sure like we hit that side, knowing how important food is in the city. Um, you know, so one thing led to the next and, and here we are, uh, like I said, we don't, we do not have a background in this. Uh, we did uh, hire a general manager to oversee the full day-to-day -day operations. His name's Travis. He's been amazing for us. Uh, we have a chef, uh, his name's Alex. He's, he's done a phenomenal job with the menu. Couldn't be prouder of it. Um, and, you know, we're, we're just uh, excited to be a part of the community here in uh, Fairmount Brewery Town. And I, I, okay. So you mentioned the fact that you, you know, you have a GM and a, and a chef, um, because obviously food and drinks get, you know, bring people together. But the fact that you also have, you know, a space for your your canine friends or your fur babies, as I love calling them, um, you know, you also have a menu geared towards them. That's also uh, human food related too. Like, so, because a lot, a lot of people, you know, will give treats to their dogs or whatever, but you have to know what exactly, like, you know, scraps of food that you can actually give, give your dog that's safe. You have a menu that's catering to their, their dietary needs that you can also, as you know, your parent, your fur parent, uh, um, indulge in as well. So I have to applaud you because that is something that I do not see on um, pet-friendly uh, venues. Thank you. And I do want to say, like, actually, that was almost part of our interview process when we were looking for a chef of um, not necessarily their familiarity because we do believe in, like, learning and growing and teaching, but just their willingness to get creative and try something different. And I think that's one of the things that stood out for us about Alex and and Travis himself, like he's a huge dog lover and supporter of animal shelters in the area. So like it just was important that all of our values also aligned. And I think that shows through in not only our menu, but the way we approach almost everything we're trying to do. Yeah. And so <laughs> I I almost am like confused as to like how to even tackle everything because there are so so many different aspects to the business that you own, to the boozy mutt. Um, because I know that you have obviously the play space for them, which I think you have an indoor and outdoor space so that 
come, you know, come the inclement weather, like you had mentioned, Sam, um, that, you know, you can have that indoor space where you can continue enjoying your time, socializing with other humans, um, or as the uh, vernacular is humans um, <laughs> for, for animals. Uh, <laughs> and the, the dogs, the dogs can play together. But you also have, I think, a dog wash station in inside there as well. Um, and one of the big key components that I thought was interesting and, and important uh, is that you offer memberships, but you have to also go through an approval process with uh, your pet also having been fully vaccinated. So I thought that was, you know, very very important to to mention too because. You know our listeners who are that who are out there that would like to not only not only indulge their their palates and and you know have throw back a beer or one of your you know interesting cocktails which you come up with some interesting names for. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, the your your whole concept is around the safety and also the um the the availability of different you know aspects for your your pets Mm -hmm. I think like one of when we first started this concept we like reflected on the feedback that we got from a lot of our friends and family that had dogs as well and then we immediately went to some experts with like dog trainers and veterinarians um we even have that text on our staff now um, because we recognize that, I mean, we treat our dog like our child and most people do. And so like just kind of giving everyone the peace of mind that if you're bringing your dog, it is like a dog park on steroids. But also if you don't have a dog that um, you also can feel safe and comfortable and like to your point, indulge in like the free puppy love that we can offer. So we kind of felt like it was like a win-win for both uh, both parties and just to make like a really welcoming, inclusive space. Yeah. And and I love that. I love everything about that. And I don't have, like I, we said prior to, you know, beginning this interview off air, I had, had mentioned the fact that I don't have a dog, but I would love to just go visit. And like, I would sit down and just let the dogs run all over me. <laughs> People do that. You're welcome to do that. They do that all the time. Like it's, it's totally normal now. And we clean our floors very, very, uh, very, very well. So don't feel like you can't do that either. <laughs> I mean, that, and that's that's key as well, because, you know, obviously if it's an indoor space, you can't exactly tell an animal that has to go to the bathroom really bad not to. <laughs> Most of them are pretty good, though, like since the dogs that come are housebroken. Like, yeah. there's a couple of excited accidents, but I mean, they're animals. It is what it is. But we clean it up really well. We have a very strict cleaning process that we're really proud of. And spent a lot of time building out. So, yeah. And if I recall, um, when I was looking your website out up, Mm -hmm. you, you also have, um, CPR trained, um, personnel who are on your staff so that, and that is for the animals, for our listeners out there so that they, Mm -hmm. that if something should happen, like there are trained, uh, professionals who can cater to your dog's needs in that aspect as well. So Mm -hmm. you guys really thought of everything. Yeah, you know, you you mentioned safety earlier. And like for us, that was like going through this process with our architect in the very beginning, it was like, is it is it safe and is it healthy? And like those those two things, like we always had to ask ourselves before we made any decision. Um, And you were mentioned earlier, there's there's a membership model for the dogs. Yeah. Um, You know, just to clarify on that, like they people can also just be daily members. um, And there was a small fee for that. 
Uh, first visit is always going to be free for dogs. Uh, but ultimately what that fee does is we, we, we make no money on that. If anything, we're actually losing money on it. Uh, mm. But that fee essentially is paying for our employees who are, we call them rufferees. Uh, if you come here, you can't miss them. They're wearing uh, striped uh, jerseys in our colors, uh, the blue, orange and the teal. And like you said, they, they've had, they have training in the dog CPR. They also just have training in general dog behaviors. Um, knowing what to look for is the tail up or down? Are the hackles raised? What are the eyes doing? Yeah. Um, you know, what is, is the head low? Is it high? Like all these different things that ultimately do tell you uh, about what the dog's about to potentially do. And so now they've, they've gotten so good at uh, allowing the dogs to play, but also knowing like when's enough, like when to give it a breast, like, yeah. give it a ring. And then, um, they're doing amazing. Yeah. Now, um, I don't want to hyper focus on just the animals, but mm-hmm. I, I think because it is such a, a very cool aspect and a new concept. Um, and I believe like really it's the Pennsylvania's only like made for pet place. Like there, ha- there are other, you know, breweries and bars and stuff that allow pets, but this is, you guys actually intentionally built this for, you know, animal lovers. Um, Mm -hmm. So I applaud you for that. But let's focus a little bit about, you know, the human aspect, which is we're going to go there and we're going to enjoy not only, you know, interacting with our pets, but interacting with other people while eating and drinking. So let's Mm -hmm. tackle that menu and uh, the both the menus, the the bar menu and also the food menu. Yeah. Um, So when we started this process and Sam, keep me honest here. Like our number one thing about the menu for both the food and drinks is we want people to eat it and not feel bad about themselves. Like, you know, like when you go and have like a really like greasy burger and it tastes so good and then you get home and you're like, oh my God, I just ate like this huge burger and like I can't eat that again for like another month because it was, it just like kind of made you feel like sleepy or whatnot. Like our goal was we wanted to have a very approachable menu that encouraged sharing, but also if you ate it once or twice a week, you would still feel great and like crave it and want it again. And so we we shared with Alex, our chef, like here's, and, and Travis, since he built out our entire drink menu as well, like, hey, here are some of our favorites. Here's even some restaurants in the city or like in other cities that we really enjoyed. They did research and mm-hmm. we essentially tried to kind of put like, healthy flair with some guilty pleasures into the menu. And so that's kind of like been our our goal as we're continuing to iterate it since we just opened about a month ago. Yeah. And I saw some of them. Like, I honestly, I've been hankering for it. Like, maybe it's because we've been so, so much, you know, inundated with the cold season at this point mm-hmm. that I'm like, I really, I'm really looking forward to the spring. So I was like looking at your menu and I was like, I really want the salads that are on there. <laughs> yes. I'm a big salad girl. So I was a big push. I'm like, we need to have at least three that like have multiple proteins and things like that. Yeah. And I, if I recall, you have um, some you have brunch items, one of which I think is a build your like a build your own omelet or whatever. And I like that too because I I'm I'm bougie. So the last <laughs> so the last time that I got an omelet, I, I built it, but it was like it's like that thick. <laughs> That's awesome. (laughs) Because it was like, I want this and this and this. And so I like the fact that you have a build your own omelet. (laughs) I mean, I think classic $50 omelet. Yeah. Yeah. I'm terrible. I'm so bad. (laughs) But, um, you know, I like that you have the brunch items as well. And, you know, you have lunch and dinner, um, obviously. 
So what are some of the fan favorites that uh, of, of customers who, or clients, I should say, um, who are, you know, constantly there or consistently? One thing, Sam, I would love for you to answer this because I know you're like there right now and um, I'd love to hear like what people are even choosing a lot of this week. But um, we also have a huge vegan and gluten-free option. So I'm actually gluten-free myself. So like that was really important to me. Almost every single thing on our menu has a vegan like alternative Mm -hmm. or can be made gluten-free. And so people have come in and said like, this is one of the best selections for gluten-free options because you can actually feel like you can eat what the rest of the table's eating and not just like have three things to pick from. And so that's also something that kind of sets us apart. I like that. And I like that you mentioned that because we do get people who ask about that. So thank you. Yeah. yeah I think Alex so, and I have felt the pain of uh, going out to dinner, right? And I, I'm, I'm a human dumpster. So like I will <laughs> eat just about everything and anything and it's probably not the healthiest eater most of the time. So, you know, it's hard uh, for the two of us to like go out and find a restaurant that can cater to both of our like dietary needs. So, um, you know, it is something that we wanted to have a big focus on. Yeah. Oh, I have an outside the box question because um, that like with all the holidays that have passed already, one of the biggest ones for couples and, um, and whatnot is coming up. It's in February. We all know it. Um, <laughs> but since there is such a love for your fur, furry friends, are you guys going to host anything special for like Valentine's Day or Galentine's Day or some sort of themed for pet pet related Valentine celebration? Sam, do you want to take that one? So we 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 are right now. It's kind of tough, like for the events, like in the immediate future. Just with having just opened, like we are still just like figuring ourselves out here and like figuring out what works and making sure staffs all trained. Which our staff's been amazing, by the way. I would I would encourage everybody just to come in just for the experience. I I can't tell you how many compliments I get on every single one of our staff members. Like hospitality is alive and well <laughs> at the Boozy Mutt. Um, you know, but from a event perspective for, for Valentine's Day this year, we are going to do an event. I think Allison, it's on the 13th or 12th. The 12th. Mm -hmm. Um, so we're going to have dog friendly pet, pet, pet friendly dog bakery in here. Um, and they're going to, we're going to be doing a, uh, decorate your dog's uh, cookie treats event with them. So that'll be fun. Um, I don't think we're doing anything exactly right on Valentine's day, but we do, we are starting to talk to uh, pitch a friend Philly. Um, I'm not sure if you've heard of them, but um, they do actually, it's very very fun. I did it about a year ago with them at punch buggy brewing out in um, old Kensington, where you essentially like build a presentation and pitch your single friend at like a bar on why someone should date your single friend. Um, And it is, it was so much fun. So we're working with them now to try to get a date on the calendar for like mid March for that. Um, and then we would also love to do like speed dating events here or anything else like that. Cause I think, um, one thing like we get, we get a lot of compliments on here is the whole, the whole feel here is very like, community based. Um, all of our tables are community style, family style seating. So we'll get like multiple groups all end up sitting together. Um, and it is like, as an adult, it's very hard to make friends. Right. But like here it is the opposite. It is so easy to make friends here. Like you have the dogs as like that natural icebreaker. Um, so we would love to like extend that beyond friends and try to like get into like the dating scene a little bit. Um, and, and, uh, you know, help people find their, their person. All right. Well, unfortunately we ran out of time so we can find our person, um, the next time that we visit you guys, but for our listeners out there, where can they find you online and in person? So yeah, we're, active, we're active on um, Instagram. Um, our handles at the Boozy Mutt. 
Um, we also have a Facebook page, but we put all like live updates on there. We also have a mailing list, which you can sign up for on our website, which is www.theboozymutt.com. Um, and all of our membership guidelines and things are online as well. All right. Well, thank you so much to both of you for joining us on Food Farms and Chefs. And I look forward to visiting you guys and just laying down and getting puppy kisses. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening us. We really appreciate it. No problem. And be sure to tune in every single week as we have a brand new episode of Food Farms and Chefs for you. To listen to the rest of Food Farms and Chefs, tune your HD radio to 97.5 WPEN HD2 or stream live from WWDBAM.com. 